My friends, as we near the end of our liturgical year, we read a very familiar gospel narrative containing the parable of the talents, yet another parable of the kingdom of heaven. The theme, no doubt, is very familiar to us. Much has been said about its meaning. Many scripture scholars say that the Lord is telling us to use our God-given gifts, our natural abilities, in the service of God and our neighbor. Others, of course, say we're being told to use our financial resources to serve the poor. Still others say that these talents represent the knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven that has been entrusted to each of us, and that Jesus is telling us that just like the apostles, we have been blessed to receive an interpretation of these mysteries and are entrusted to invest this knowledge in the world so others too can come to know of the love and mercy of God. In summary, we are to work diligently and avoid spiritual laziness and worldly fear in the face of Jesus' second coming. He is coming again. And he may come, he will come like a thief in the night. St. Paul tells us, reminds us, very familiar, only last week, again, we get this message, stay alert. We are not to sleep. Discipleship requires that we be ready and that we, may, that we make an investment of ourselves, that we be watchful and diligent. And just like last Sunday, Matthew makes a clear distinction between the faithful and the foolish responses to the master's gift during his absence. This gift, these talents, are to be multiplied for him. The gift of our lives, the gift of our faith, and all the many graces we receive each day are to give praise and glory to God, give praise and glory to the master. And it says that it's to be done immediately. There is a certain urgency to this message. Today's gospel is also very well-timed, this world day of the poor, that each of us are called to be in solidarity and closeness to those in need. We are encouraged to use our natural abilities for the service of our neighbor. We are to serve the poor, utilizing our financial resources, but also our time to give to the poor, to give to the lonely and disadvantaged. We are to utilize our spiritual gifts and our knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom to help others find Jesus, the spiritually poor that do not yet know him. We are to be instruments of God's grace in the lives of our family members and friends and co-workers and classmates. We are to share our faith. We are to evangelize. It is our duty to fail to do this is to live contrary to our faith. To fail to evangelize is to live contrary to God's call for each of us. Now, my friends, the message of today's gospel is clear, and it's a familiar message. We get this throughout the year. Yet as often the case, I think there is so, so much more here today. There is more than what we would call a moralistic message here, more than use your talents uh, to the best of our ability, more than use our gifts for the glory of God. You know, it is important to note that Matthew had already 
given us this moralistic message from Jesus. Near the beginning of his public ministry in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, you are the light of the world. A city set on a mountain cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and then put it under a bushel basket. It is set on a lampstand where it gives light to all in the house. This is the message that I was just speaking of, right? The message is clear. It is a good message. It's a message that he already given in the Sermon on the Mount. So perhaps an important question should be asked. Where is the incarnation in this moralistic message? Where is the incarnation in the parable we hear today? You know, God did not have to become flesh and dwell among us to know that we are supposed to use our God-given gifts. Where is the grace in today's parable? Where is his divine life in today's parable? Where is the working of the Holy Spirit in today's parable? You know, it's important to note, we know this, right? The talents in the parable are a monetary unit. We often equate them with ability. They're given according to their ability. The talent is not equal to ability. Talents are money. Talents are money, and the talents belong to the master. In fact, it was an extraordinary amount of money. One talent equal to 10,000 days wages. One talent equal to 30 years of wages. These three servants were set for life. Even the one that had only one talent had 30 years of wages just handed over to him. The gospel says the man entrusted his possessions to them. He entrusted his talents to them. Then he went away. Nobody never said what to do, right? He never gave them any instructions. He just left. Why didn't they take the money and run? Why didn't they just leave? They could certainly buy their freedom. They were rich. You know, earlier in the day, these men were doing menial tasks. They were slaves. Perhaps they were cleaning out the stalls in the, ta- in the, in the stable. They were shoveling poo. They were being handed, they were handed, the winning lottery ticket. Why didn't they run? Well, they must have looked into the master's eyes. Looked into the master's eyes, and two of them were transformed by the gaze of love and mercy. Transformed by his gaze as he handed over his money to them. They recognized in that gaze that their master's heart was breaking. Their master's heart was breaking out of love for them. He hated to see those he loved living like slaves, shoveling the poo. So he hands them his possessions. He hands it over. You know, it is important to note that this parable was told only two days before Jesus endured his passion and death for you and for me. For the whole world. This was one of his last lessons to each of us. And the word that he uses in the parable, again, it's oftentimes lost in the English, right? The word we hear is gave. 
It's one of those uh, what we call reserved words in Holy Scriptures. It's almost never used. It was used, though, when Pilate handed over Jesus, gave Jesus over to be crucified. Same word. You know, my friends, Jesus is the talent. Jesus is the talent in the parable. And the master, our heavenly father, has entrusted him to each of us, handed him over, gave him over to us so he could earn our salvation. We are called, as we hear in Proverbs, to entrust our hearts to him. We are, we are to fear the Lord in the proper sense, as we hear in this first reading and also, also in the psalm, in the, in the gift of the Holy Spirit sense, in the awe and wonder sense, we are to fear the Lord. And why? So that we can share our master's joy. Those who fear the Lord in this sense, in the awe and wonder sense, we hear are to be praised. And they are given a reward for their labors, an inheritance, eternal life, a share in the master's joy. My friends, do we recognize our great dignity? Do we know who we are, that we are precious in God's eyes? Do we recognize the dignity of those around us? They too are made in his image. Have we, have our relationships been transformed by the Lord's gaze? Have we allowed him to raise us up from our lowliness? Have we embraced our purpose in Christ? Do we know that we are created by God for his pleasure and that he desires to share his joy with us? Or do we see ourselves as slaves? see ourselves as slaves, simply pushing the poo around, working in the stalls. You know, this third servant didn't recognize his own dignity. He didn't allow the gift. He didn't allow Jesus to be magnified in him. He did this out of fear, and not in the awe and wonder, good sort of fear, but worldly fear that paralyzed him. He turned away from God because he thought God too demanding. And out of all three of these men, he's the only one that gave the talents back. The other one's perhaps afraid to bring it up. You know, I've multiplied this here. Uh, can I keep this? This is what I, I want, this. Eh, here it is back, is what that first guy, or that third guy said. He lost the gift of the son. He lost the gift of the kingdom. He lost the gift of peace. He lost the gift of eternal joy. It wasn't so much that he was lazy, we get that word in the English, but rather that he shrunk. He shrunk from who he is. He saw himself as little, not made in the master's image. He buried the talent. In doing so, he literally dug his own grave. My friends, the gospel says that the number of talents handed over to the servants was according to their ability. Ability is not their personal or natural gifts, rather Christ's power in them, his power in each of us, that it was given in proportion to their and our openness to receive. It's given in proportion to our ability, to our desire to self-surrender. Note that first servant received more than twice the amount of the second. Yet he was not puffed up 
in pride. He didn't see himself somehow entitled to more, nor was the second one deflated. He wasn't depressed. He wasn't feeling in fear. Hey, this guy got more than twice what I got. No, none of that. They both realized they worked for the master. They both realized it was their, his interests, the master's interests that were important. This is the message of the gospel today. This is always the gospel message. We are to embrace, we are to embrace God's grace. We are to embrace his gift, the gift of his only begotten son. And like Mary, our souls are to magnify the Lord. Mary magnified the Lord by incredibly allowing the Lord to become incarnate in her, become flesh in her. But we too can magnify the Lord by allowing him to transform our hearts and minds, to be present more perfectly within us too, and to be instruments of the same grace in our communities of influence. We are approaching the end of our liturgical year. Christ the King is next Sunday. And Jesus and our church are calling us to deeper faith, deeper transformative, intimate faith. You know, last Sunday we meditated on the bridegroom, that God wants to marry you and me. It is true. This Sunday we meditate really on that same reality. While we may not be that worthy wife referred to in the Proverbs, God has found us and he values us beyond pearls. He's entrusted his heart. He's entrusted the sacred heart of Jesus to each of us, and he offers us an unfailing prize, the kingdom, eternal life. We're simply called to, in faith, uh, turn to him and bring good and not evil all the days of our life. My friends, we have won the lottery we have in our faith the golden ticket. We have everything we need. It has nothing to do with money. All we have to do is gaze upon the bridegroom. All we have to do is gaze upon Christ and allow him to transform our hearts and minds. What does this gaze look like? How can we gaze upon the face of the Master? How can we gaze upon the Heavenly Father? Well, by gazing upon the face of his only begotten Son, getting a beautiful image of Christ and gazing into our Lord's eyes, look into his eyes and be transformed. We can do this by gazing upon the cross and meditating upon what he did for you and for me, what he endured for you and for me out of love, by gazing upon his word every day, by gazing upon the word and scripture to come to know and better uh, love him, by gazing upon him in the presence, in the on his presence in the most blessed sacrament, the sacrament of unity, the source and summit of our faith, by encountering the gaze of mercy in confession each week, each month, by gazing upon him in the eyes of the poor, in the eyes of the homeless, in the eyes of the lonely, in the eyes of the elderly and depressed, upon his image in each other. My friends, may we all have more awe and wonder of the Lord in our life today. May we be transformed by the gaze of love and mercy more perfectly. May we embrace this abundant grace here in this holy mass. May we not bury 
its gift, but maybe share it, share it with another one so that they too can encounter the God of love and mercy in their lives. And may God be praised. Amen.